Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my friend Kevin Cole. You can subscribe to his Substack, Unexpected Points. Just had a sort of wide-ranging conversation about the topics du jour in the NFL. We ran through a bunch of the quarterbacks sorted by EPA at the end and uh, decreed if they were nerd quarterbacks or ball-knower quarterbacks, covered the Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, paradigm all the interesting stuff going on and of course short king summer in the nfl as well always enjoy talking to kevin hope that you guys enjoy the program if you want bonus episodes of this show you can subscribe to patreon the patreon is www.patreon.com slash takecast you can always leave a rating or review for the show that's always very helpful you can do that at apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts or you can just tell a friend about the show now let's go ahead and get into it all right, everyone, very happy to bring back in my friend, Kevin Cole. We chat about football, soccer, Ethan Sherwood-Strauss, journalism on the internet um, every so often. Uh, Kevin, I have been enjoying your your greatest quarterbacks ever piece on, on Substack. I'm wondering when you inevitably get there, are you going to have Mahomes or Thomas Brady as the uh, the number one overall greatest quarterback of all time? Uh, I think Brock Purdy actually is. Oh, is making, well, yes, obviously. He, he's making a run for it at at, at this point. Um, yeah, no, I, I've actually gone through and put Mahomes up there, but it's one of those things where he kind of has a little bit of an incomplete, obviously. But oh, even sure. if you just look at him, because I was looking at like five-year peak, career value added, playoffs. Even if you just look at those categories, I think I had him at 11th or 12th or something like that already, even though he's had just the five starting years, right? I think I think he's had five, five, five years. Start, of, of, this is year six, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So even with that, he's already at that level. So pretty, pretty elite. All right, so a topic that I want to start with, near and dear to my heart, and I, I actually, it, it was a bit, and it's now serious because I think there are real football reasons for it that I want to talk about with you. But basically there was this thing that happened in the off season in drafting all these fantasy football teams that these very short, small, compact wide receivers, it's become the trend in the NFL, right? We had 
you know, uh, I mean, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were were sort of the big warning flags. The guys like that 10 years ago, we're not taking these dudes in the first round. Those are third round wide receivers. Then it, it sort of, you know, we got uh, Rashi Rice and Jonathan Mingo were drafted very high simply because they weren't 5'10", 170 pounds. But all these incredibly small wide receivers in a, in a variety of teams and in a variety of ways are making like huge impacts from like Josh Downs being the second most targeted guy on the Colts, uh, you know, Calvin Austin for scoring a 72 yard touchdown for the Steelers. Like I think there are very real football reasons related to the two high safety stuff, why these small wide receivers are excelling so much right now and why teams are looking at that archetype. What is your football guy take on short King summer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Contested catch is not as big of a thing. Uh, like having someone who can physically match up and defeat a um, number one cornerback used to be like a thing. You would kind of give the number one cornerback almost half of the field that they would end up taking and then have everyone else built around that. That's not a thing anymore now. So, yeah, I do see something to it. I guess I'm still a little bit skeptical of maybe the upside of some of these guys. I mean, Zay flowers is probably a good example, right? From this year about people, a guy that people were getting really, really excited about at the same point in time. I, I haven't, I haven't updated it from the last week, but I remember looking at him after the first three weeks of the season and he was averaging something like 10 yards a catch and, you know, a four yard, a dot. I mean, it's fine, but are you going to like build a sustainable offense around it? I, I'm not quite sure, but you're right. When there's more space underneath where you don't need to have to worry about the contested catch sort of archetypes, then naturally you're going to go for those guys. What are uh, actually, I mean, Zay Flowers is is a good little jumping off point because like the sample of the new look Baltimore Ravens has been very mixed, mostly because let's just be real about it. Lamar looked absolutely brutal against the Indianapolis Colts. Just like a lot of those classic Lamar passes where you can see the idea, it doesn't quite come off. Obviously, Mark Andrews is like working his way back from an injury that could maybe be a little bit of an excuse. Now, against the Browns, uh, Lamar was like unbelievable. He was he was unreal. I I continue to be a Lamar believer. What is your you know sort of gut reaction? We are a month into the season on what the you know non Greg Roman Lamar Jackson offense looks like. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably a pretty big difference from most people on this. I mean, I think it's been kind of like bad, good alternating weeks, but even last week, okay, last week, everyone, like everyone's talking about how amazing that, that Jackson was last week. I mean, I look back here and remember you're playing against an offense with, with DTR, the fifth round draft pick, they were doing absolutely nothing on the other side of the ball. So if you look at here, here's how the game started for, for the Ravens three and out six yards. Three and out, four yards, touchdown. But they scored from ten yards away. Like they were, ten, they were ten yards from the end zone when they scored the touchdown. Next drive, three and out, negative three yards. Next drive, fumble after thirty something yards. So it wasn't like they were, you know, knocking the cover off the ball. I mean, that type of start against like another functional offense, they could have been down multiple you know multiple touchdowns at that point in the game so i know they didn't have to do anything but they scored a touchdown from 10 yards out they scored another touchdown from 38 yards out uh near the end of the game 
So I don't know. They, they've been okay offensively. Before last week, if you looked at their their numbers, when Lamar Jackson dropped back to pass, it was basically zero EPA dropping back to pass, but he was still tearing it up running. He ran a little bit more, like he got the 10-yard touchdown off of a run. I still think they need to do that. I still think the idea that you're not going to run Lamar Jackson, I think he had two design runs the first two weeks of the season, it's, it's just not going to work. I mean, I, I'm hesitant to say it's it's not going to work. My bet is that, I mean, like, this is the first time Lamar's ever tried to play this way, right? It's not, I mean, I guess I don't know that much about, like, who was calling his plays and stuff at, at Louisville. But, like, the idea of Lamar as, like, an air raid quarterback is probably relatively new for him, you know? Like, and I do think you are right in the sense that running the ball like 37 times per game and having Lamar be you know 13 rush attempts per game it's it's not like a sustainable plan for them to win Super Bowls over the long term you know which which should be the goal like at a certain point you are gonna have to go into Arrowhead and win you are gonna have to beat you know Josh Allen at home or whatever and you're though I guess with the the way the Ravens plays like pretty high variance because if you get behind 10 points, you can't play that way. And you got to, you got to play in a different way. So I guess getting a lot of regular season repetitions, like Lamar should have a 500 passing attempt season just so that the, the fucking team can get the repetitions and like learn how to throw the ball 40 times in a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Louisville, I don't study this stuff, but Bobby Petrino was the coach there. Everyone talked about at least the Lamar backers, which are, you know, a lot heavier, like on social media than within the NFL, it seems like uh, we're really touting that as being like a pro style system, everything else. I mean, it's fine. I'm just saying this particular game against the Browns, you know, they scored four touchdowns. They didn't score on any of their other drives. So they only scored on a third of their drives, two of the touchdowns. Again, like I said, they're on the Brown side of the field. So I think it was like designed to be one of those games, which looked better on the scoreboard um, and looked more dominant that sort of way than it did in in reality on a play-by-play sort of basis i think he can do it but i just don't think zay flowers now you got zay flowers offense we have zay flowers and let's say um uh you know you have zay flowers is the main guy there you're gonna bring in well, and, beckham and, to do uh, something well, beckham's already hurt bateman's already hurt which is like you know i'm what are what are your thoughts on this because it seems like there are certain teams the broncos definitely one of them that just have like the worst strength and conditioning staffs that like guys are always hurt. I mean, do you think that is a real thing? Do you think that is an edge that is being lost by these NFL teams? Or do you think that is our human brains trying to provide a pattern to something that is patternless? No, I think it's definitely a real thing. I just don't know if we can identify it from, from the outside without um, actually seeing what these guys are doing. I remember the Rams were one, um, a few years ago, like if you look back, obviously not last year when everything fell apart, but if you take maybe 2019, like let's say when, or no, but maybe more like 2017, 2018, when the McVay era started through the Super Bowl, they barely had any injuries and then everything just fell off a cliff last year. And supposedly they put a lot of effort into that area so we can give them some some credit in doing that. But if we don't know, then it's really hard to because there's just a ton of noise around. I think directionally, though, it's definitely important. It's definitely a big area and a big thing to do. Well, it's definitely it's definitely important, right? I mean, if you could you know, if you could keep your entire 53-man roster healthy for an entire season, like, that would be a huge edge, right? 
but just to just to guarantee health like that team assuming that it's not you know like a, a Chicago Bears situation would be like a huge favorite because these teams I mean you know CJ Stroud is already missing three of his offensive linemen like all these teams are are like all we, we already have teams, you know, suffering these cluster injuries. The Cowboys defense that looks like the best defense in the NFL already has guys banged up. Micah Parsons was limping off. And then, oh, I, I got I got the national test. I got the uh, the the oh, you got that, too. Yeah, I just got that, yeah, too. Just, I was just like, the, uh, I'm like, what is this, some Amber Alert? To... Some Amber Alert bullshit? No offense to, uh, you know, the abducted children. No, but, no offense. Know. No offense to Amber. Um, <laughs> no offense to Amber. Yeah. No, it's the uh that was the alert that uh people on Twitter were saying you have to turn it off or it'll um you know turn the virus on inside of you that uh that you got in your COVID vaccine it's gonna turn you into a zombie. That's uh that's Travis Kelsey is spreading that, I believe, right right now. Travis Kelsey is leading the march there. Yeah. What's your uh what's your what's your opinion of this is very Ethan Schertz Rouse. What is your opinion on the uh the media coverage? I mean you know Ethan is working on a column right now about the, oh, the yeah. media coverage of the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I just kind of ignore it for for the most part. Um, I, I, any sort of conspiracy, this is like some conspiracy theory that's going on. I don't, I don't really believe. Uh, I think it makes it entertaining. Like I'm entertained. I'm entertained by it, and it's also good that I don't know any Taylor Swift songs or anything. So I don't have to be like, I'm not getting annoyed by bad puns that are related to her songs or anything else. Cause I don't, I don't know any of them. So it just, it all goes over my head. That's about, I see the thing is I love Taylor Swift fan, fan of her music. You know, I always have been seen her in concert. People love her. People yeah, love her. She's, she's awesome, man. It's like, it's like the, the most popular pop musician in the world. Like, these people, guess what? The, the music's probably pretty good. It's not. Uh, it's not unique of you. Yeah, not I, like I them. think some people don't quite realize like how popular she is. I saw something the other day where people were. Someone was talking about like what could be an equivalent if it was like Beyonce or something. It's like no, she sells a shit ton more records than Beyonce does. I guess even Rihanna sells more records than Beyonce does. But yeah, I don't think people really like realize her the height of her popularity at this point because it kind of spans like multiple generations. Correct. But point being, I'm a Chiefs fan. I've met Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey follows me on Twitter. We're, 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 you know, we're buddies. Oh, big time. Big, big, big time. time. Even for me, it's a little much. Even for me, it's a little much. And I'm sort of like the literal target demographic for this as both the Chiefs fan and a Taylor Swift fan. Even for me, it's a little much. Do you think this is like a Jessica Simpson, uh, Tony Romo situation? That's maybe a parallel that I could think of a little bit. Um, obviously, we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna show some more respect to Taylor Swift than we are to Jessica Simpson when it comes to uh musical taste and and quality there but is is it that type of situation where where what that it's a that it's a publicity stunt well that is just annoying and I, I think the Cowboys because the Cowboys are just always bad I think the Cowboys also did not play well if I remember correctly when Jessica Simpson was was in attendance uh with her white and pink Tony Romo jersey uh, also. So I do remember this because obviously I, I you might yeah up... you might, it might have been before you were born I'm not no, sure no 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 I I remember so this because ago. I I grew up my dad was a Cowboys fan I I inherited a Cowboys fandom that I gave up that I that I I put aside you kicked the habit it's yeah I, I literally it was it was like it was like it was like quitting smoking you know I just don't I didn't I really just at the end of the day I didn't I didn't need that negativity in my life anymore and I'm better for it honestly like. 
if I was 17 years old, still a Cowboys fan, that Arizona Cardinals loss would have just ruined my week. You know, it really, it really would have. And and now I just don't have to deal with that crap anymore. And it is great. I I mean, certainly I am conspiracy minded enough to know there's totally some chance this is just all fake. It's all publicity. It's all, you know, it, it, it Travis Kelsey's podcast and the Instagram fault. But I guess at the end of the day, what is Taylor Swift getting out of this deal? What is, what is, what is, you know, is it, did she need, like, are they paying her? Like I, that's, that's where, I mean, yeah. many conspiracy theories kind of ended this angle where it's like, okay, what's the tangible benefit? And then you get there and, and there is none. I mean, it is a bit much. I think someone was showing the NFL, I don't know if it's her Twitter or Instagram account, like the background pictures are all of Taylor Swift now, like the official NFL account. So it is a bit much. Yeah. Is she, is she not aware of how much tight ends are making in this salary cap regime? What the franchise tag is on tight ends right now? Come on, uh, Travis Kelsey, this guy, this guy's making less money than uh, Daniel. Daniel Jones is making like five, five times the amount of money that Travis Kelsey is right now. Um, yeah. I don't know what she's getting out of it. You know yeah, having fun, I guess. Uh, this is, I think, it's one of these deals where we talk about whether the relationship is fake or not. A lot of these celebrity relationships, they don't see each other anyway. The the amount of time they spend together is like the equivalent of over the course of like the first three months of the relationship is the same as like a girl you meet that you're into that you hang out with a bunch within the first two weeks or something like that. It's just barely anything. Uh, I mean, a a good that that I didn't, I've never thought about that point before. Is that a well known? cultural point that that celebrity couples don't spend that much time with each other i mean i suppose it's true they're they're so busy yeah i think they just like having somebody and they also when you got two people who have similar schedules where they can't spend any time with each other there's almost like an understanding where you can't that's probably the number one thing is that is is people getting pissed at each other people getting pissed be like how can i have a relationship with you if you're never around well if you're both never around then there you go boom um maybe it'll work uh, I, although off season, these guys aren't doing shit. So I don't know how that, how that'll work with an NFL player. I, I guess I, well, t- Travis Kelsey would go from never being available <laughs> to literally like, don't you do anything? Like, what do you do? You know, Travis I mean, he wants to be famous too, right? He had a, he had a, um, a, a reality show. series. Well, yes. I also think it's an interesting choice into, um, if you look at like their types, <laughs> for past relationships travis kelsey you know he's into a little bit different um body type slash complexion uh type of type of lady in the past she's kind of she's kind of run the gamut though right i mean she's i don't know supposedly i don't follow this but supposedly uh like a little bit more on the scrawny scrawny lightweight side which he definitely is not has been more of her type at least recently so hey yeah i mean she's been with all kinds of guys though like all kinds of famous guys what what's weird is that he's probably you know for you and i it's like i can't think of anyone more famous than travis kelsey you know for me (laughs) that's that's mount rushmore right i I think a lot of people more famous than travis kelsey but okay i can't i cannot think of very many people that i would rather hang out with or go to dinner with and Travis Kelsey he'd be very high up on that list for me um yeah I mean he seems all right I I, I tune into the podcast he seems seems okay you see that outfit he was wearing at the end of that first game I don't know he definitely has an aesthetic too he has an yeah. aesthetic let me put it this way he has an aesthetic a way of speaking a past girlfriend history of someone who played a lot of like AAU ball growing up a uh, basketball growing up that's an interesting, I would never have, I would never have thought it that way. I, I think, I think, I, I guess, I suppose I can agree with that. I just think I find it to be 
a fascinating cultural touchstone. Because the other thing is, I saw this tweet, but the NFL uh, inadvertently realizing it's a good idea to market to women. You know, I mean, they they just kind of backed into this idea, but it's so true. The NFL makes very little effort to market to women. And it feels like a, a, a missed opportunity because obviously you are, uh, you know, more or less excluding half your populace in your marketing. And that that feels like a mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think, also, but again, going back to this conspiracy theory angle, I mean, I think the NFL is doing pretty hot. They're pretty hot right now. This is not like 2017 where things were looking a little bit dire. I don't think they're desperate for attention. But I would I would also guess, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I would also guess that more women are into football than other sports because it's like a it's like an institution. Think about a university, like a college. You know, sure. it's like an institution to go to a football game. How many women are going to basketball games on the same level or other sports i don't know maybe there are but I, I just assume it's more of an institution type of thing the same thing like on a weekly basis it's not you know that demanding you don't have to keep up with you don't have to be like super hugely into it it can just kind of be part of the culture of the the place that you're in so i think the nfl is probably doing okay well certainly i mean i i did not i did not mean to suggest that the nfl is is not doing okay but there's always more money to be made i mean if there's anything if there's anything i've learned um you know, as as an adult and learning how things work, it's that, it's that there's always more money to be made. And it I don't know. I mean, I could I could maybe Taylor Swift is is getting paid money to to date Travis Kelsey. I don't know. But it is, it is my she's too rich. Like how it, it, like right. how big of a check would you have to cut her to make any meaningful uh, amount? I just don't think I don't think like an in, like an insanely size check, like a yeah. like a tr yeah. like a, a check, a check that w would uh would blow the minds of of someone of someone. Do you have like any? Do you yeah. have any Brittany Mahomes takes here? I, I'm kind of I'm pro Brittany. What do you think about that? Oh, I've always been pro Brittany. To me, the tenor of the conversation about Brittany and about uh, Jackson has always been very. You know, obviously, people say that Jackson is gay. People, and then and then the things that people say about Brittany Mahomes are just the classic. This is what a misogynist says about women because they hate women. And even obviously even other women say this about her, but it is, it is your classic, like, you know, women hating bullshit that is just so in the ether of our society. She seems, you know, she seems fine to me. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both probably annoying, but you know, it, it seems pretty easy to ignore it. I guess what I give credit to is it seems like he's, it seems like Patrick is very, is close with his brother and has like a very meaningful relationship with his brother. And it's, you know, and for when it comes to Brittany, she's like his high school sweetheart or something. This is not like some girl who just married, uh, you know, tried to marry someone to become famous or something or something like that. So they seem like they have good relationships. So the rest of the stuff, eh, it doesn't really matter that me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, to me, it, it seems insane that Mahomes relatively seems like a normal dude, given the <laughs> given the the life that he's led. Like as I mean, I would dad, rather go out hang out with him than Travis Kelsey. Oh, well, he would say. be my number one. He would be yeah. Mahomes would be, he would be my he would be my absolute most number one dude. I want to hang out with. All right, let's. Uh, I want to zoom out and go back to football a little bit. What do you do if you're the Cincinnati Bengals? You look like shit. Joe Burrow is hurt, but still practicing. T Higgins is now injured. I mean. This is the this is the last year that their their entire salary cap is not taken up by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. I mean, this has got to this is like this is DefCon one for the Bengals. I think I think this is this is 
it's under discussed in national media how problematic this is for that franchise. Oh yeah, no this this is a big time problem. And then you know when you when you redo contracts also right when you redo contracts you structure them specifically to make the cap hit in years one or two extremely low, um, and then they're going to redo you know Chase. And then they're going to probably have to get rid of T. Higgins. I know Bengals fans were like so offended by the idea that they'd have to get rid of him. But the real bomb is going to drop with all those different contracts in a year. Well, not a year, but about two years from now. So this was like a two-year-ish sort of window to really push in. So to have that side swiped by this bro injury. And I think there were some hints that offensively, like maybe there were some problems. I don't know if there's any offense that's been more affected by the too high revolution than the Bengals had been versus what they did in 2021. I mean, I think Higgins in, and Chase were something like number one and number five in value per target that they were generating just with big plays. And they were still good last year, but they were both more like top 15-ish, and now it's just fallen off of a cliff. So I think it's a combination of that, Burrow's injury, and this is kind of like their window and their defense, which they were more reliant upon than people really thought isn't coming through because you can't rely on your defense to be, to be good on a year on year basis. So yeah, it's a problem at the same point in time. I think the idea that they sit him, I mean, this is what's, the NFL. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? What does that accomplish? Yeah. This is not NBA. Okay. This is not baseball. This is not like something you could say, Oh, we'll sit him down a few weeks. Like your season's over. If you don't win the next couple of games of, you know, for this year, your season is over and you don't start again until September, 2024, you know, that, that, that that's I, I, maybe you're risking his health. There's some sort of health issue. But We've had these calf issues turn to ACLs. Cal- I mean, turn to Achilles, but uh, I think it's, I think you have to roll them out there. you got to roll. They don't have, they don't have, they don't have anything at backup either. Yeah. I, I guess maybe it would be different if they're backup quarterbacks, like, I don't know what would be if they had uh, like a Minshew type. Or I was going like Min- to say Minshew, Jameis, Andy Dalton, right? Imagine, imagine Andy Dalton riding back into town, saving the team, winning. Uh, three I never even games thought about that. That I love this. I love this idea. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that would actually be the, one of the greatest storylines would be, I, what team is it? Oh, he's on the, he's on the Panthers. They trade he's on a, the Panthers. Yeah. So they trade a, a fifth round pick for Andy Dalton. He comes back in, he guts out a couple games while Joe Burrow is on the, the designated for return IR or whatever. I mean, that would be, that's, that's movie shit. I mean, that is, that is as good as it Dalton's gets. on that a is- nice little two-year deal. You could bring him back and have insurance for next year too. So yeah, I mean, I think it's something to it. And I know Burrow was really bad even when they won um, against Pittsburgh, but, and theoretically you could get that type of performance from someone else, but I don't know. I don't think you can do it. I think you just have to keep rolling them out there and just hope it gets better. And I think they have a bye week in week seven. So that's it, right? You, you, you roll them out there and then you just cross your fingers that you can get a couple of wins before week seven. And he has some time to recover. So there, I guess their saving grace would be that maybe the AFC is not as dominant as we, as we thought, you know, um, that like there actually might be a way to get in as a, could they, is nine wins possible? Could that, could nine wins get you into the playoffs in the AFC? Yeah, I don't think it's like overall, I'm not sure if I agree with the AFC not being as dominant as we thought. I think the Chiefs, are maybe not as good as we thought. I mean, I had them at number one coming into the season. I think I have them at 
I still have a number two going into last week, but I don't know. It just it just piled up behind the Bills. Um, but I think the Bills are pretty good, you know, and maybe it's one of those ones where we should have known that they could be pretty good because they kind of pushed their chips in again rather than taking a year off like the Chiefs nope, had done I, the year before. Okay, let me let me push back on this a little bit. Just uh, okay. not that I don't I do, of course do not mean to suggest that the that the Bills are bad or or anything like that. But yeah, we've seen them go through these insane runs in the regular season before, right? I mean, what yeah, the Bills? Yeah. The Bills have never scored fifty points in the regular season before. The Bills have never looked dominant against other teams that we thought were awesome before. Like that's all. That's all happened, right? I mean, no, no, I I agree. I'm just like the Eagles are off so far. I I think they're playing worse than what you would have expected so far this year, despite the you know perfect record. And the Chiefs, I think, are playing a little bit off so far on both sides. So I think the bills and the dolphins are pretty good. I think they're pretty good teams. And then you go to the AFC North. I agree. I think it's pretty weak there. Like, again, I I don't buy the Ravens as much as some people. So I think fundamentally it's weak there. I don't think the chargers chargers are whatever, you know, chargers are just going to always be (laughs) charger ish where depending upon the, uh, the last. So that's actually, that's actually what I was hitting on is that there was also yeah. sort of this this idea that the Chargers would would be one of the teams that are absolutely fated to make the playoffs. That looks untrue. The Steelers are unserious. Also, the Browns. I mean, the Browns are are unserious, right? I mean, well, if if Watson's healthy, I think they're I think they're serious. I think they're a serious team. Um, yeah, you can't count on the defense playing at the level that it was playing those first few weeks. But as I stated, I think they were better against the Ravens. Uh, than some others so no I think the Browns are I think the Browns are probably better than some people expected going into this year Uh, but the thing with the Chargers is I agree fundamentally the Chargers are whatever but they got two victories against the Vikings and then against the Raiders that they're like games they typically lose and then miss the playoffs so if they if they can win those games they can get into the playoffs and then like in a in a single elimination type of scenario, eh, they, they could do some damage. The Jaguars stink. Okay, that's something where I was not on the Jaguars going into the year, so that's definitely one that you can point to and say, okay, maybe maybe there isn't an elite team at all in in the AFC South and just a bunch of okay teams. I guess I guess that is fair. I just am trying to I'm trying to view it from a Bengals perspective of being a little bit more optimistic. And thinking, what is the what is the rose colored glasses we can put on this? With no, no, being, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like getting into the playoffs, I think that division is not is not very very good generally. So yeah, how do you feel if you are the Cleveland Browns right now, watching the performance that Deshaun Watson has put on the field, knowing the defense is i mean they they would have never thought the defense was this good in the offseason i mean i know they got they got ran by the ravens but that is partially like as you mentioned i mean that's kind of just scoreline effects like if the offense can't put you in a good position at all there's only so much a defense can do yeah yeah and, and again yeah field position uh, everything else in that one um i mean it's been going on for a while now with with watson right so it is a little bit crazy to think the calculus that went in to trading for him and the whole, you know, vomit inducing sweepstakes and everything else that was, that was going on for Deshaun Watson. Um, You know, I was, I was very like anti the move, but it was more just like 
do we really have to do this sort of thing? I didn't think this would happen. I didn't think that he would fall off. I mean, we have no precedent really for a guy who's not injured in his mid twenties to have a season and a half off and to see what happens when he comes back to play. But you have to think though, the calculus that went into this from the Browns and from others, like all the bad PR, the contract, the trade assets, you'd have to think it's like as certain as you're hoping possibly that you're that getting, you're that get you're getting the, the third best quarterback in football. Yeah. That you're getting elite quarterback play coming out of this. And he was like, he was, if you're going to, if you're going to think about like project these guys out for how good they are, it was like Mahomes. It, I've always had Mahomes in a different tier, right. Than the rest of these guys, despite not this last off season, but prior off seasons, people wanting to make it like a thing, but you put him right there with Josh Allen or, or whoever you wanted to put in that second tier of quarterbacks. I think if again, without with this unknown of what, what it means that he's been gone for a year and a half and everything else that's happened, he was right there. So like that was the calculus is, yeah, we're getting all these things, but we're for sure getting this sort of elite quarterback play. And the fact that you're not getting that and you're paying a 50 something million dollars a year cap hit and you gave away all those trade assets and you were getting better quarterback play from Jacoby Brissett than you were from Deshaun Watson. Yeah, it, it's bad. Now he did have one good game before missing this last game being injured. I don't think he looked great but that was one of his best games uh, on the Browns. So I, I guess there's still some hope there. I mean, I guess, cause I've, I've had this happen where I, you know, I make fun of Deshaun Watson on Twitter and then he makes a good throw like three <laughs> minutes later or whatever. But at the yeah. end of the day, this is his stat line as a member of the Cleveland Browns. So this is everything he's done in a game since 2020. He has five wins and four losses. He's got 11 touchdowns, seven interceptions, his YPA is 6.6. I mean, all of that is so far off. I mean, even his rookie year on the, the shitty, awful Houston Texans, everything was better than that. Touchdown interception ratio, YPA. Now, granted, he was playing with DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. You know, we know uh, we know the inflationary effect that the, uh, you know, Will Fuller, I miss him every day. But I just, I, I guess, honestly, I kind of agreed with the Browns front office. This was not ever a range that I saw possible. I did not think that Watson would come back from being suspended from the NFL for sexually assaulting a bunch of women to play shitty. Because honestly, at this point, it feels like, dude, what were you doing? How, how I, I don't even understand how he has regressed that much. Yeah, I, I don't really know either. Although I, I still think, and I think, there was this huge combination going into this year, at least of people just not wanting to rank him pretty highly. I mean, for me, I, I was, I thought like a fair assumption for him was to be a back back half of like a top 10 sort of quarterback, honestly, like even after what we saw last year, assuming that things would get better. They haven't. Um, it's funny. You mentioned yards per attempt. Do you know, Deshaun Watson is fifth, like all time, all time yards, yards yes. per attempt. Now, some of this is a like an era effect, but also like the top couple of guys are playing in the 30s and 40s, the 1930s and 1940s. So like it's autogram Sid Luckman. I was going to say, I, I've looked this up a bunch because Mahomes is 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 sixth all time. He's right behind Watson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, but so I, Garoppolo, I, 
Norm Norm Van Brocklin, so another guy who played in the 40s and whatever. And then Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes are almost equal together. So yeah, I mean, that's the type of level of play we were seeing for him. I mean, he took he's taking sacks. Deshaun Watson takes sacks. He does some other stuff. He has a little bit of an elevated uh interception rate, uh, probably even in situations where he doesn't need to throw them. But yeah, that's the type of level of performance he was he was putting up. Okay, uh, another guy, or I, I want to talk to you about the rookie quarterbacks because I think there are people who are rightfully concerned about Bryce Young. Now, what's weird is that it seems that um, the team themselves is not that concerned. I mean, we did literally just get the report that they're trying to trade for the uh, a, a legit. I mean, would you like what, wide receiver? How would they? How would they show their concern at this point? I mean, we knew pretty early on that the 49ers were concerned about Trey Lance, right? I mean, yeah, well, we, they had Jimmy Garoppolo that they could they could play. They, I'll, I'll give you that, yeah. They had Andy Dalton. The Panthers have Andy Dalton. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, well, what, with Lance, we, we, we kind of knew Lance a little bit more of that project sort of label to him. But, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll give you that a little bit, but I'm just saying this regime – uh, especially Fritterer, 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 whatever the GM is concerned, and the owner, who's probably like real, the de facto GM there. I mean, we're kind of all in on Bryce Young at this point, trading up and not having a first round pick next year and, and, and everything And not else. having a second round pick either. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're kind of all in on on Young, but yeah, I'm worried. I'm and I, I'm someone who had him. I had him ranked as QB one because number one, I don't know anything. So I'll say I'll say that if he's going to be the number one pick, and you're going to have people who supposedly know things, um, say they think that he's you know has Mahomes like qualities. And I knew that was bullshit, kind of. Um, but still, like he now that he plays in the NFL, and I think you see this at almost any position, right? Very quickly, you see these guys, and you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, maybe this guy doesn't belong, like, on this level. And it's weird to say that. But you see that sometimes with wide receivers, you're like, wait a second. This guy looks so good in college, and now I'm not so quite sure about it. So I don't want to overreact, but at the same point in time, is if someone – if you have quarterbacks go one, two, and four, and even four and, games – And the fourth one looks like right now, if you, if you gave the Panthers truth serum and you said, we'll give you Anthony <laughs> Richardson for Bryce Young right now – they would literally race, dude. I mean, they would, yeah. they would, they would press. It would be like when someone mistakenly sends you a trade offer on my fantasy league or something. Like you would, you would, you would accept it so fast. I mean, Richardson. I mean, argue. I know Stroud has looked awesome, but there's an argument that Richardson should have been the number one pick the whole time. Now, yeah, I no, think. I'm just saying if it's when it's one, two, and four. Like I'm, I have such little confidence that the rank ordering on that is correct that even four games into the season, I think it's a smart bet to say, oh, I'll just take whoever looks the best, like four games into the season. I'm not, I'm not sticking to my guns, but that's like, that's the downside of the game. You know, that, that, that's part of the, the downside is that we don't really know. And it is like flipping coins, maybe a little bit of a weighted coin when they're near the, the top of the draft right now. So yeah, I mean, if you're, if they're going to draft over, you probably would say, I'll t give me some CJ, CJ Stroud. Thank God everyone was off of him or else we'd have to, I'd have to hear everyone victory lapping themselves on CJ Stroud right now. It is that actually you, that is such a good point, but it's true. I mean, everyone, um, I, I mean, as, as a, uh, I would kindly call myself a numbers-based person, but what that just really means is that I don't know ball. Um, <laughs> I, the ball, I, the ball, the ball knowers don't know. They just, they just, they're just, they're just, they're frauds. So go ahead. Um, so Stroud was a guy that I had trouble with because the ball knowers 
basically made it seem like he was kind of a ceilingless prospect in the sense of like which never made the, any sense to me never made any sense to me the ceiling why not thing. why not well he's got a strong arm he's tall he's pretty fast <laughs> you know like what's what, what what's the ceiling argument like i don't get what like you don't you don't have to be the you don't have to be a cyborg like anthony richardson in order to have like a pretty high ceiling you know like i i, I guess i would get the ceiling argument more with young than i would get with 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 Stroud. Now, so the thing that bothered me, the thing that I was worried about with Stroud was like this play under pressure and some of that sort of stuff, not really knowing is like a question mark because he wasn't really put underneath the microscope in that regard at Ohio State that much. Um, but I don't know. He kind of seems like a guy who's got a very strong arm and can run pretty well. So, yeah. I mean, again, I, I I don't know because I'm not a ball knower. I, I that's the problem. I, I the ball knowers told us that Bryce Young had a strong enough arm for the NFL, and I'm watching his games, and I'm like, I don't know that this no, is the case I, unless I he actually, can step into it. No, no, I think the ball knowers were right about Young's arm. I do. I I don't have any concerns really. I don't about. know. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if this guy can step into it, like without stepping into it, if he can really. That feels that feels like a Tua adjacent thing to me. Where it's like, and I've always been higher on Tua than than people. Although the idea of Tua being MVP favorite, I mean, actually laughable. He was never going to win MVP, and he's really not going to win it now. Um, hey, he still he still got a chance. No. I don't think he was he wasn't even that bad last week. Tua's, they got both Tua's win equity for the MVP. Let me let me help everyone betting on the MVP market. His win equity for the MVP is zero. It is not happening. No chance. What about Brock Purdy? What's his win equity on the higher MVP? than Tua's? Higher than Tua's. Okay. Still okay. low. I'll give you that. Still incredibly low. I I would say the yearly MVP race is between Mahomes. The voters want to give it to Josh Allen. They really do. He's just given them a lot of reasons not to do it. They also didn't really want to give it to Jalen Hurts, and I think his injury at the end. I mean, Jalen Hurts was the rightful MVP last season. I think. Oh come on. No, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm not giving Jalen Hurts rightful MVP. But go go ahead. Go ahead. Um I mean MVP every year is it's Allen Mahomes, uh Burrow, obviously not gonna happen this year. And then whatever quarterback, you know, cut a quote and quote unquote makes the leap. You know who the voters would love to give it to? The voters would literally I mean, they would run marathons to give an MVP to Justin Herbert. I think that the NFL media wants to crown Justin Herbert so bad, so, so bad. And I mean, obviously the Chargers are just shooting themselves. I feel like the 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 film hipsters on social media want to crown him so badly. Um, maybe. Okay, so I, I, write an, I write an article about MVP like every offseason. So every offseason yes. I'm like, okay. Bet on Mahomes. That's obvious. Like no matter what he is, like he's probably a value just because like your likelihood of him being the most efficient quarterback and and being the best quarterback is like on another tier from everyone else. Um, But even Allen, you say they want to give it to Allen. I feel like Allen already had his partial MVP in that he, I think he got second team all pro and more votes than Mahomes in 2020. 21 no no but I, I 2020 correct 2020 I, no, no 2020 20, yeah 2020 that's was so 2020 his breakout year he, he he did he got he got more so that was like his thing he was like the josh allen he was you know rogers was first team and josh allen was second so he comes in there so yeah i, I agree that it, it's like it's definitely those guys before anyone else it's just if mahomes takes a, takes a step back and i'm not saying it's even mahomes taking a step back it's just like that offense is a little bit fragile with everything that they're that they're doing there 
I think it opens it up like pretty wide because Allen is 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 could Allen things. Uh, Burrow's toast. Herbert will be one of these guys where everyone raves about him, how awesome he was. And then you look up, you look up the thing, and he he had like six point five yards per attempt or something. You're like, yeah. what the hell is this? Like, what? The, you know. And then and then you have the the well, EPA you, you know who, play you know guys are going to be like you know Tua and Brock. You know who the other guy is. Who? Lawrence. Lawrence is the other one. Oh that yeah, the Lawrence well, want a crown. <laughs> oh yeah, they love him. Like he's he's even worse in a way that maybe he's just the most unlucky man on the planet. But for some reason, everyone has a mixtape of like fifty plays that Lawrence should have done should have done well. And I mean, the problem was like the the first half of last season happened. Okay, guys, we can't pretend that the second half is all that happened, including looking awful and being down a billion points in the playoffs. That's also part of the second half that was, that then turned to good. People just pretend like, oh, that first half, that didn't happen when he was making all these stupid plays, like a nonsensical sort of plays. Like, I don't know that offense again, he's another one of those guys where again, yeah, the, the ball knowers are just, they just love this guy. And I look up and he's like 25th in EPA per play or something like that this season. Where is, uh, this is actually, this is act, this is how we're going to end it. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to running matter.com and I'm going to sort by EPA by composite. And we're going to see if a guy is, uh, is a nerd quarterback or a ball knower quarterback. Um, I, I mean, obviously I think Mahomes is universally agreed. No, like no one disagrees. There's no one, only, only Dov Kleiman would dare try and bespurge. Well, now people Mahomes. did disagree. I mean, people didn't disagree, but there was... That's what I'm saying. People are so beholden from like the last couple of games. I, I listen. I was tilting my face off multiple times listening to offseason podcasts and people saying that they thought um, Josh Allen was they were ranking Josh Allen above Patrick Mahomes, even though Josh, Josh Allen had a bad regular season. Right. Well, so you are right about that, but I do want to reverse and say this is totally a point in the ball knower's corner. The the nerds the nerds thought Josh Allen, including me, thought Josh Allen was like a laughably bad draft selection. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, not that now you're talking about old shit. No, Bob. Hey, everyone hated him. No, everyone. No, no, okay. I'm talking more like the the hipster social media uh, ball knowers. They hated Josh Allen too. Now you're like. Mel Kuypers of the world. Yeah, I'll give you that. They, they were on. They were on Josh Allen for like multiple seasons salivating about him. Yes. So, okay. Purdy, not a ball knower guy. That is no. uh, that is analytics. Tua, is Tua a ball knower guy? I feel like. No. Okay. All right. We're giving, we're giving him to the nerds. Josh Allen. I'm giving Josh Allen to the ball knowers. I'm giving Josh. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He, he's- yeah. I'll give Josh Allen. I'll give Josh Allen to the ball knowers. Sure. Why not? But then right. again, I was, I was, I was going crazy. Um, Monday night, week one, when people were like, Oh, how come Josh Allen's not getting criticism for throwing? I'm like, dude, this is like, come on guys, stop, stop with like Josh Allen isn't good. Cause he threw a couple of bad interceptions on a Island game. All ahead. right, real. I I am I'm about to vomit in surprise right now. Do you know who the quarterback who number four is in EPA plus CPOE composite? Uh, Russell Wilson. It's Russell Wilson. Baker Mayfield. Russell Wilson. Yeah, you got it pulled up. Okay, Russ. <laughs> Russ is. I don't have CPOE pulled up, but I ha- I know the EPA numbers because I I yeah. do with those all the time. Yeah. So Russ is Russ Mr. Is CPOE though. Russ is ball knower, right? Well, okay, so here's the thing. Like Russ has a long tradition of nerd, of nerd love because it was him versus Andrew Luck, where year in, year out, he was putting up better efficiency than Luck, but was always being ranked below Luck. Then out of nowhere, kind of, 
I want to say it was 2019, 2019, 2020. All of a sudden, he became like ball knower. People loved him versus Mahomes, right? People were like, oh, I don't know. Like, maybe he's as good as Mahomes. His PFF grading went from like high 70s to 90, like the highest PFF grade all of a sudden. So this year, he's more like in the nerd camp this year. His EPA is really high. His grades are still kind of kind of low. So I don't know where, I don't know how you want to parse that, basically. Sure. Um, okay. Baker, Baker is, is nerds. The nerd, the oh, ball yeah, knowers, the ball, the, the nerds have hate or the ball knowers have hated Baker since he was a draft pick Herbert, all ball knower, all, all ball knower. That is not yeah. the nerds. The nerds do not like Herbert, uh, Mahomes, both Dak. You would think he would be a ball knower being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, but he's not the ball knowers hate Dak. He's that's we, we get to claim him. Yeah, I guess again, this this is probably like different definition of 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 ball knower. You're like more traditional, like first take, you know, uh, uh, sort of like a Dan Orlovsky sort of ball knower. And I guess I'm thinking these guys, the social media hipsters, uh, well, they love there's a Dak difference. Prescott. There's a real there's so there's a real difference between TV ball knower and Twitter yeah, ball knower. Yes. Huge, there's huge a huge difference, difference. between those a huge guys. difference. Yeah, um, yeah. Goff. Goff's kind of interesting. The nerds have been out on Goff for a while because he doesn't, um, I, I guess like it's- He's still it's a nerd app- guy. Come on. He's definitely a nerd guy, especially vis-a-vis like the whole Stafford thing and everything else. I think he's definitely a nerd guy. Uh, Lamar, Lamar is both. Lamar actually, actually you get more pushback on the nerds than, I I, I mean, I'm a Lamar stand. Lamar, Lamar is again, you have that, like he's kind of in the Dak bucket where- the ball knowers on except for the ball, the, the traditional TV ball knowers have kind of capitulated on Lamar where they haven't on Dak as much. But yeah, yeah, he's loved by ball knowers for sure. I think he might even be I think he's reaching like kind of overrated status because of how much he has universal love now of social media and TV ball knowers. How dare you? How dare you call Lamar Jackson overrated on my 13th podcast? in EPA per play? I'm just saying he's one of these guys. Like last year, last week, I thought I was, I thought I was going to look up the drives and just see them dominating. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like seven straight three and outs that he that he had. But anyway, go ahead. Cousins, ball knowers hate cousins. Ball knowers. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's he's hated by social media and and traditional ball knowers more by social media, I would say. But yeah. Um, all right. Uh, who's next here? Oh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm claiming I'm claiming Jalen Hurts for the nerds. The ball knowers wanted no part of the Eagles taking him in the second round. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that one. I'll agree. I, I think that's like a capitulation. The people capitulated last week. The The ball knower. I mean, last year, ball knowers gave up um, two thirds of the way through last year. All right. Geno Smith. He's ball he, knowers, ball knowers right? like him. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, he throws. He's he's you know what's what was weird about him. He doesn't play in the same style of of Russ. No, but some of his peripherals when it comes to first of all, he's a CPOE king, so just like Russ was, um, and he makes these like amazing throws like Russ did in this 2019 2020 um, status, but his value from like an EPA standpoint isn't that great. So like. Like ball knowers love to analyze his great throws. And then when he takes a bad sack or interception or he doesn't make the easy play, that stuff all goes out the window. So, yeah, I think he's definitely a ball knower guy. Um, Although I don't think like no one is willing to speak ill of him at this point, which kind of annoys me because it's basically just Ben Baldwin and I will will like 
like slightly throw a little something in there about Geno Smith and be like, hey, look, oh, Geno, less efficient than Jimmy Garoppolo so far this season or something. Um, but no one else, no one else will really talk about it. I mean, you just love Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> I love, I love. I, okay, let me tell you about Garoppolo for this season. Let me give you a stat here, which I think is is pretty good. First of all, his interceptions have been off the chart, so that's been his big problem so far this year. He has the he's the worst in the NFL for for like EPA lost uh, per dropback on interceptions. But if you look at just when the ball leaves his hand and it and it doesn't go to the other team, which is fortunately is not often enough. Um, so it's like yards per attempt, basically, like the EPA equivalent of yards per attempt. I think he's third in the NFL this season so like he's actually kind of still doing what he was doing on the 49ers he's still kind of doing that that's that's him he's mr yards per attempt right um so like maybe maybe we have to say hey maybe this is just who this this guy is If if he if he threw like two fewer interceptions this season um he would be right there he would be back in the top 10 in epa per per play i guess i mean at the end of the day, you're not winning shit if Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback. So what's the point? What do you do? They went to the Super Bowl. They were one. They were one play away from winning the freaking Super Bowl, man. What is what is watching the? Purdy- He's a winner. That's all he is. QB wins. All right, okay. we're going to end with here, and then we're going to go watch the Champions League. Um, <laughs> what is watching the Brock Purdy experience teach you about Jimmy Garoppolo? I think it teaches you less than you think. I think it's one of those things where like the the lesson that people are taking away from this is anyone can be successful with Shanahan in that system except like he wasn't good with Brian Hoyer back in Cleveland he sucked he was like Nick Mullins had a little run and then he sucked CJ Beathard sucked uh Trey Lance sucked uh so I think there's there are a lot of dead bodies that were left behind maybe they weren't the most talented guys but I think uh, my lesson is Brock Purdy is probably just good like he's probably just actually kind of like a good quarterback is he elite quarterback no but I find it laughable when I see uh uh ball knowers talking about internet ball knowers uh Steven Ruiz at the at the ringer had him ranked 32nd coming into the season and now he's up to 25th right now for Brock Purdy come on give give Brock some love people please 25th come on Brock deserves to be better, higher than 25th. But uh, <laughs> hey, hey, he, Stephen, Stephen nailed the Stafford stuff. People were, people were mocking his Stafford ranking. I mean, so it was higher what? than Jalen Hurts, which is laughable. People get way too worked up about like who's in the eight to 12 range. Yeah, you nailed Stafford, and then you had Brock Purdy, the leader in efficiency this season, 32nd. What's what what's what's more important? Whether you had Stafford at 16th or 9th to start the season or whether you have Brock Purdy at 32nd or like more more who he is hey check his stats he has Daniel Jones at 18th right now higher than he was to start the season explain well, Dan- to me how I, w- I would have Daniel Jones 32nd I would have Dan I would have Daniel Jones 40th I, I would <laughs> Daniel have Daniel Jones is someone where I don't even believe my own numbers at the beginning of the season I was like you know he did play okay last year maybe I should have him ranked higher like no he, he I sh- you can't ignore those first three seasons of awfulness Fair enough. Um, all right, man. Tell the people the unexpected points. So clever. Yeah. Uh, unexpected what, what points. Are you sub-stack. working? Are you working? Have you like? Have you developed the Ethan Sherwood Strauss no, strategy? No. Yet? No. I have no. I have no strategy other than uh, than knowing ball. the people. 
spanning the people with 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 data. So I have all my game reviews come out with all the different advanced stats, and I talk about those. So that's like a like something like four or five pieces a week because I do the island games there, power rankings, based points based power rankings. Uh, I also have luck adjusted QB efficiency numbers, so that'll drop tomorrow once I have FTN data on like interception worthy play. So I will tell you, I'll give you a preview of that because you know, neither one of these guys played on Monday night, but like Brock Purdy has the most luck this year, which I don't think is a Shanahan thing. Like, I don't think throwing an interception-worthy ball that ends up being dropped or a fumble not being being recovered by your own team, which are kind of the two things he's benefited from more than anyone else, are Shanahan things. So he has the biggest adjustment. He's still number one in EPA per play, but he has the biggest downward adjustment. And Stafford has a huge adjustment up. Um, so I think those are kind of aligning with with ball knowers takes on on some of these things. It's just after you make those adjustments, you still you still got to give credit where where credit's due, in my opinion. And that's when, you know, that's when the nerds win. I mean, you're just going to be closing your eyes. The 49ers are going to be down <laughs> nine points to the Eagles and the NFC Conference Championship. And Brock Purdy is not going to be able to make a play. And you're going to be like, you know, it was just Marion's. It was no, just it has, be, it has to be against Stafford. Stafford has to make like a no look pass to win the game after Brock Purdy is rolling out and like get, can't doesn't have the arm strength to get it downfield and gets intercepted or something like that. Then the ball knowers will just be well, you will we'll never will never shut up online as yeah. they well, but they won't anyway. So you know, I love the ball knowers. The ball knowers <laughs> they they keep me honest. Um, all right, guys, we're getting out of here. Make sure you sign up for unexpected points, and I'll be back next week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.